Good morning again. It is really good to be with you. Smaller in number than last week. I especially felt for Andrew up there, a skeleton crew, after last week with the full band. Just him and the Rembrandt and Jesus up there on screen. That was impressive. That's right. Um, I want to begin our homily this morning with a series of questions, a number of questions that I'll refer back to later. What is God like? Can he be trusted? Does he keep his promises? How does he keep his promises? Why is the world the way it is? Why are human beings the way we are? If God keeps his promises, why are things so bad? Out there and in here. How should we live with our pasts and our failures? With each other? How do we live in relation to authority? How can we live with suffering? What binds us together? What hope is there for the future? Where is our true security? Inquiring minds would like to know. These questions and more are addressed comprehensively in the sixth book of the New Testament, the book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, this letter addresses some of the most profound, most fundamental questions of human existence in the first century and in the 21st. And this letter will be our focus at Church of the Cross in the weeks and months to come. There are a couple of reasons why we're going to focus on this book. It is our custom to follow closely with the lectionary readings, the scheduled readings through much of the year, the church year, from the season of Advent through to Easter. Each of the Bible readings for every Sunday guide us through the themes of the various seasons and days of the year. But often, following Easter and following Pentecost in either Eastertide or ordinary time, we often choose a particular biblical text or theme to focus on. We take a deeper dive into one book, look at one theme. That is what we're doing here. The practice is known in Latin as Lectio Continua, a continuous reading of one biblical text in sequence as a way of submitting ourselves to the Bible, allowing the Holy Spirit to shape our understanding and our lives according to God's word. That's what we hope to do with the book of Romans today in the weeks ahead. But in terms of specifically why this book at this time, there are really four reasons I want to spell out for us today. Four reasons that will kind of undergird the weeks to come and that we'll refer back to, come back to in the series ahead. So this morning's sermon will be a little bit different than normal. It'll be kind of just more explanation, setting the table, if you will, for what is to come. Before we jump in, let me pray for us. Gracious and almighty God, we praise you for the gift of your word. We praise you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that inspired the Apostle Paul in the writing of this word. And we ask now that that same spirit would now enliven our hearts and our minds to see the truth of who you are and the truth of who you're calling us to be perhaps as never before. And would that same spirit strengthen us to live as your people, we pray. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. 
So the first reason is the old story needs a new hearing. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul toward the end of his third missionary journey, right in the middle of the first century. And it was written to Christians in Rome that he hoped to visit, but had not yet had the chance to. He didn't really know these people. And so this letter represents both kind of a mature stage of Paul's thinking about Jesus and the meaning of his life, the glory of his existence, as well as this kind of summary statement, kind of making clear, this is the main stuff about what I think. Now, Paul is just a human figure. He's finite and fallible as we are. But his interpretation of the life of Jesus and its meaning is among the first and most foundational parts of what became the Christian faith. It is incredibly important. And this book, as a kind of introduction to his thought, a summary of his thought, represents this quite comprehensive description of his take. And this book has had an amazing effect, incredible influence in history. Whether it was St. Augustine who heard the exhortation, take up and read, and, and found in Romans 13 transformative news that, begun, that began the change of his life. Or jumping ahead to Martin Luther, who found in its pages the return to justification by grace. Or John Wesley, who found his heart strangely warmed when he reflected on its contents. Some of you will even know the Romans Road. It's a, a 20th century kind of summary of the gospel story, all in Romans. I mentioned a few weeks back, I'm reading this book, African-American Readings of Paul, and Lisa Bowens, the scholar there, points specifically to Romans and the resources there that slaves found to affirm their dignity and to proclaim God's goodness for them, his promises for them. This book has had an incredible effect in the life of Christians individually and the church more generally. John Calvin once remarked, if we gain a true understanding of this letter, we have an open door to the most profound treasures. And that treasure is what Paul describes in the, what we just heard read as the gospel of God, the gospel sourced in God, rooted there in his life, promised by the prophets of old, the old, old story, the good news of God, the transforming announcement of all he is and all he has done. This is incredibly important, not good advice, not good instruction, but an announcement and promise that renews and shapes us. I think we have a specific need for this today, in this season, with all that we have all experienced this past year. And at this moment in the life of our community, there is a need to be rooted here in the truth outlined in the pages of Romans, confident and sure of God's goodness, of what he has done, his completed work for us in Jesus, confident of the Holy Spirit's presence with us, working in creation, that we might be renewed individually and corporately, that we might find our footing firm as we move into the future. I don't know if you've heard this, but movie theaters are back, apparently. In the past weeks, box office numbers for theaters across the country have exploded. There have been various articles and think pieces talking about why this is the case. Is it falling infection numbers? Is it increased vaccinations, better uh, ventilation, decreased hospitalizations? No. 
I think the box office explosion can be attributed to one reason and one reason alone. Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> this one movie, a movie begging to be seen in the theater. And to my point right now, a movie with a title which holds no mystery. It requires no explanation. You have Godzilla versus Kong. You know exactly what you're going to get. Probably not a tender, meditative, coming-of-age story, nor a gritty period drama. With that title, you're getting a giant lizard fighting a giant gorilla. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs> the movie does exactly what the title says. And there's power, there's clarity in that. In the same spirit, and yes, this illustration is definitely shoehorned in here. In the same spirit, we're going to be very upfront with you about what we're going to get in the series on Romans. We don't normally do this, but if there was a title for this series that captures the truth of what we find in the pages of Romans, it would simply be this, the God that does not fail. Spoiler alert. That is the God revealed in the pages of Romans. That is the God who is made known in Jesus. The God that does not fail. Whatever instability we see in the world around us, whatever anxiety buffets us, whatever instability we would recognize in ourselves, in our shame and our failures, God does not, will not, cannot fail. His promises are sure and his good purposes in the world, in the church, and yes, in your life, will not be frustrated. In this season, in this time, I need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded of this and rooted here. All our eggs in this one basket. The God revealed by Jesus does not fail. His goodness, his power, his faithfulness are sure. That is the old truth, the old story we must return to. So the old story needs a hearing, a hearing the book of Romans comprehensively gives us. But that old story, I would say, needs a fresh hearing. And that's the second reason we're focusing on the book here. You might have a favorite novel, maybe in your home, dog-eared, well-thumbed, rifled through, perhaps a story where you love the characters or the plot is so familiar to you that you enjoy going back to it year in and year out. We have the stories that we love. But there's the danger in that of over-familiarity, isn't there? And some of us think we know the old story so well. Perhaps we've heard the Romans Road and we think we have it down. This is what the book is about. We know what it says and what it doesn't say, the answers it has and the answers it lacks. This, just this last week, I read the provocatively titled essay, Why Christianity Failed. The writer Shadi Hamid writes about the decline of much belief or engagement with the Christian faith in this country, among people my generation and younger in particular. The essay is more charitable than you might expect with that title and is focused specifically on the ways the Christian faith has not been articulated in a compelling way in the life of the church, in society today. The failure Hamid points to is not so much related to the veracity of the Christian faith as it is to the ways it has not connected with the pressing questions and concerns in a way that would render it compelling, credible. That's definitely a reality I see at play, we see at play in Austin. 
perhaps among family members, neighbors, and friends. The old story has been tried and found wanting. It seemingly has nothing to say. It's pie in the sky, individualistic pablum, without teeth to bite into the problems and challenges of life today. Some of us here probably feel the force of that, feel hesitant about the claims of the story, the Christian story. It's too narrow or simply answering questions we don't have and ignoring ones we do. It's played out. But a fresh hearing, a fresh hearing of the old story, a a fresh hearing of Romans, a new perspective on Paul's letter, the kind that many Christians have taken on in the past decades, reveals this story to be something more than we might think. There's life in the old story yet. The gospel of God has in it surprising power, compelling connections with our most vexing and profoundly felt questions. Questions we opened with in our time this morning about life together across difference, concerning what the good life actually is, the obedience from faith that comes from faith that Paul wrote about in our reading this morning. Questions about God's actions in a world of authority, suffering, and evil. Questions that the Christian faith must and does answer that the claim that Jesus is the Son of God is credible. And what I hope we will see in the weeks ahead is the old story, the story of the gospel that Paul articulates here, has in it resources, the truth, power sufficient for our questions, sufficient for our lives today, just as it has in history. And as we give it a fresh hearing, as we allow its truth to penetrate our hearts, we will be better equipped to live as people of peace, people of God's love in our incredibly complex and unstable world. A fresh hearing. So that relates actually to the third reason we're going to focus on this book. And that is simply that the book itself is written to the heart of the city in the heart of the empire. It's written to Christians living at the very center of the center of the world. The city of Rome for its time was the center of the world, without a doubt. It was where political power, cultural influence, trade, military might all found their source. The adage, all roads lead to Rome, carried with it much truth. The center of the world, the eternal city. I just learned this week that comedian, famous comedian Dave Chappelle might be moving to Austin. Did anyone else hear this? I learned this week that famous podcaster Joe Rogan already lives here. A month or so back, I was talking with a priest friend in San Francisco who commented that half the Bay Area has moved to Austin in the pandemic. I know some, of, some people, you might lament that, that reality. There are bidding wars for available homes, Samsung, Apple, and Tesla, all increasing their footprint here. 168 new residents a day. It can feel like all roads lead to Austin. <laughs> Is, uh, there was an amen. <laughs> Is Austin in that becoming the equivalent of Rome? Probably not. But there is a very real sense in which there is a cultural energy, a vibrancy that marks out Austin, a sense of being at or near the center of a variety of different things that reflects the reality of what Paul's original hearers would have experienced, living in the heart of empire, living and making their way in a vibrant and alive space amidst competing ideas, beliefs, with questions, concerns about equity and justice. 
All of that reflects our own place, our own experience. When we read the book of Romans, we are reading something written into the heart of the city, into the heart of the empire. The Apostle Paul himself, as he wrote it, was likely living in Corinth, this other cultural center from the city to the city for people of the city. And we are a community of many people who I would say are city-minded, regardless of where we live. And so when we read the Romans mail, when we read a letter addressed to them, we are reading mail that in so many ways is for us, speaks to us, our context, our situation. And as followers of the same Lord, or at least open to being followers of that same Lord, there's so much we can learn here. And Paul's point in this opening, when he talks about the gospel, the call on his life to the Gentiles, is the call to people like us, the nations, whatever our backgrounds, whatever our ethnicities, our histories, the old story, the word is for us, a word to the heart of the city with power for Rome in its day and for Austin in ours, a word that speaks to us. So we're paying attention to this book right now, this season, because the old story needs a hearing, a fresh hearing, and because it's a word spoken to us. And the fourth and final reason we are focusing on Romans in this season is that our love for Jesus might grow. At the center of Paul's picture, the center of his picture of the God that does not fail is the person of Jesus. And that is where our focus needs to be, now and always. We are to be a people centered upon him, and more than that, that adore the person of Jesus. If there is one thing I want to be said of me and that I would long to be said of our community, it would be that we are a people who adore Jesus Christ, who are captivated by him, one to him, animated by the love of him. Very happily, we are a community online, here in person, of varied passions, backgrounds, and interests, who are animated by various different meaningful concerns, political discord, unreached people groups, racial injustice, cultural decay, Questions about justice on our border, the discipleship of children, the care of creation, the fate of the unborn, all of these valid, related to God's heart and God's kingdom. And we're a community that has specific core values, celebration, transformation, consolation, participation. And we seek to do certain things. We seek to worship, to do evangelism, discipleship, to serve our neighbors, But what is it at the center that gives life to these various concerns, that anchors these values, that animates these actions? Simply this, the love of Jesus. We are to be a people that adore, that love the person of Jesus. And if there is a specific goal for this sermon series, it it is that our love for him would be enhanced and deepened because he is worthy of it. And because that is at the very heartbeat of our life. The adoration of Jesus animates worship here and empowers action in the world. It binds us together despite our differences. We will be a people who love Jesus or we will not be a people. 
And from these very opening verses of the letter, Paul's writing is entirely set on Jesus. He's the servant of Jesus. The gospel that has been given is regarding Jesus. And most beautifully, it is through Jesus that grace and calling are received. It is to him that those who are at the heart of the city, those in the midst of the city, are called to belong. This is why Jesus must be our focus. For the exquisite goodness of who he is, the center at the center, in the center of all things. And this is why Jesus is worthy of our adoration, for the abundant grace of all that he has done for us, showing us love in his earthly life and death, making a way for us into that love. And in the sending of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out that love into our hearts, among us, into us. Some of you come here this morning or watch online this morning believing terrible things about yourself. Condemning words, voices of anxiety, messages about not being enough, not measuring up, weak, unstable, without worth. The city, whether Rome or Austin, is rife with such messages and abundant with ways to medicate those feelings, those realities away, or, or to prove your worth in some false way. And the gospel of God that Paul articulates is a full-throated no to those voices. And at the very start of this series, May the truth of Paul's introductory words take hold in your heart. Find purchase in your soul to those in Rome and in Austin, to you, loved by God, called to him, called his own, called holy. This is most true of you. Whatever else you might believe, what other message you have received, whatever else might even be true of you, this is most true. You are beloved, known in fullness and loved, loved and called holy, called saints, both, yes, called to act holy, but also regarded as holy, not because of your standing or your righteousness, your strength, but on account of him who died for us. Love still as sinners. And yes, in that love called to be something more, something better. This is true of you at the very start because of belonging to Jesus, loved and holy. This most true because of Jesus. And that truth driven into our hearts, planted there, is the beginning of our adoration. The beginning of all else in our lives and our life together. It is the unfailing love of God for us in Jesus that animates our adoration for him. Our love rises up to meet him. The love that is poured in us by his spirit. It's that love that animates the care for the unreached, the undocumented, the unborn. It's at the heart of our values, our shared life. The love of Jesus, his love for us first and foremost, and our love in response to his grace.
to the glory of God's name. So why do we read Paul's ancient letter now? Four reasons. To hear the old story. To give it a fresh hearing. To listen as those in the heart of the city. And above all, that we might know the love of Jesus and that the love of him might flower in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.